1: Today on the show, time to catch up with an old friend, my old co-host on the PSF app and the Field Goals podcast, Dana O'Gorman, back in Seahawks forever. The last time we talked was literally moments before Pete Carroll was fired, and so we have a lot to catch up on. We'll get her thoughts on the roster as it currently stands, the coaching staff, what she likes, what she's a little bit afraid of. Of course, we'll get her thoughts on the quarterback situation, and as someone who lives in Kansas City, and sees up close how that Chiefs organization is run. I'm going to get her thoughts on how far away she thinks the Seahawks roster might be from competing at that level. Dana O'Gorman, back in the show, coming up next. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Vienz. I want to give some shout-outs today to some recent supporters and contributors of the show. Got a bunch of five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts over the last week. I want to thank Bob Hellbringer. If that's really your last name, by the way, what a badass last name. Hudson Hawks, the notorious ginger, 12th Man SB 2019. That was wishful thinking when he made that username. And CD Alt Zero. Thank you for the reviews. And then for those who have uh, bought me a beer on buymeacoffee.com, which you can do right here. I'll put the link in the description as always. Uh, Devo12, an anonymous user, Whitney Shank, Gordon Moore, and Jordan Palmer. Thank you very much for contributing. Best way you can support the show is subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that bell button for notification of new episodes and like this video and on audio podcasts, subscribe. That way you follow the show and you get notification of new episodes as well. Really excited to bring Dana back into the show today. Uh, She'll tell the story of how it went down the last time we talked on the PSF app. And for those of you who followed us on that app and were in on those game day uh, commentaries and our midweek show, uh, we'll have some news at the end of the show about our future on that app. Uh, but as I mentioned in the intro, it's been about a year since uh, field goals came to an end uh, as far as the podcast world anyway, with F- SB Nation shutting down most of their podcasts. Um, but it then allowed me the opportunity to rebrand the show and make it into what it is today. And so thank you for all of uh, thank you to all of you who have uh, helped get it to this point. I want to get right into this. Dana O'Gorman joining me earlier today to talk Seahawks. Oh, Dana, Welcome back on the show. It has been a while. Um, first of all, how are you?
0: Well, I'm really good. It it's been a heck of a lot busier than I thought it would be than the <laughs> last time that we talked. Right. So just like,
1: yeah just I, just, just to cool. remind people or let people know, yeah. um, the last time we talked was on our last appearance on the PSF app. Yes. Right. We did a live our midweek show where we recapped the end of the season, how it went down in Arizona. And and we talked about some things we thought were going to happen. And I believe we talked about how neither of us thought they were going to make a change at coach. And then almost I literally we stopped the stream. I went to Twitter. The news of Pete Carroll broke and I texted you. That's how close we were to being able to talk about that live on the air. So some things have changed.
0: When I read that text, all it said was Dana Schefter exclamation points. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell happened? And I'm like, Oh my God, how yeah. did we miss this by literally less than five minutes? Like it was yeah. so crazy, but yeah, I think we had discussed it. We thought that, you know, he might end up going, but probably not for another year and he decide. Right. and we played that game a little bit, but that is not what came to pass. And then, so then after that snowball, right? Like everything I, I, I felt just as busy, during the playoffs that we weren't playing in. as yeah. it would have been, had the team been playing. It was just crazy.
1: And it was funny, just like John Schneider admitted he did later. I was, you know, on those divisional games. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I was hoping for the outcomes that actually happened because I knew that mm-hmm. we'd be, we were looking at, you know, McDonald and Johnson. And so I definitely watched playoffs this year with a much, much different, mm-hmm. you know, lens than I have in the past. I mean, I, I think we were on the same page, you know, it, that we thought. Pete was going to get another year. You know, Mm -hmm, I did. And and, I mean, I was on the side that I, I was ready for change. And I even called for it about halfway through the season at a certain point. I just didn't Mm -hmm. think they would do it. I mean, how long did it take for you? And did it take kind of seeing Mike McDonald in that role a little bit later? How long did it take for you to really kind of come to grips with the fact that Pete wasn't going to be the guy anymore?
0: It was hard. You know, I, I I am not a I'm not a Pete hater. I wasn't screaming for change from Pete um because I knew it was coming soon anyway. So I wasn't be like, let's get rid of him now. We you know, because I we all we all knew at most we had one to two years left with him. No. So I wasn't I wasn't angsty about that part of it. Um and then after it happened, it was a little shell-shocky. It was like it, okay, well, what happened? And then the weird press conference where he's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, what's your role? I don't know. And he almost seemed Mad about it, but so upbeat at the same So Pete. Yeah. And then the weird that whole press conference was strange. And then John's even weirder press. God, I love John Snyder, but someone needs to get him some, some public speaking lessons. I <laughs> I so cannot stand his intros because he just sounds like kind of a doofus. And I, I love him and his brain, probably just doesn't work that way. But I'm always he's always like, Well, yeah. So I guess I got to hire a coach. You think? You think maybe? That's- <laughs> yeah, so, he see he, he was- did
1: seem uncomfortable. It was like he, it, it, but but you know, I mean, we have to think about it. Like that's that was his first time ever sitting at that at that mm-hmm. you know dais by himself without Pete there to work yep. off of, and and um, he did seem uncomfortable. He, and yeah. it's funny though when you see him, um, like when he does his his show on seven ten. Mm-hmm. with uh with with Dave and Bob much more comfortable and yeah. and and thus he seems to be a little more forthcoming sometimes with information and I just think you would think after 14 years you'd get a little more used to to being behind the podium yeah. now what did you think about him at the press conference to announce Mike McDonald because I thought and I even had a chance to to mention this to his wife a few mm-hmm. days ago like I thought he was beaming. In a way that I've never seen him, like he couldn't wipe the smile off his face. I feel like that was a little bit of a breakthrough moment for him. Like, yeah. this is my show now.
0: Um, yeah, I still think that he really stumbled through that opening. <laughs> like I said, he just—it's like he gets too excited.
1: And he, he gets well, he gets ahead and of I himself. think that his
0: brain goes so fast. You know those people yeah. whose brains go so fast they can't get it out. So he usually has his little cards, and that helps. But, um, but yeah, he seemed like a little kid on Christmas. You're 100 percent correct that he was like, he's like, yeah look at the guy just hired. Right. So you got some questions like that's, you know what it was, but it was very good. And honestly, I, I don't care how he speaks in public. I don't care how his press conferences go. I, I like that. He's excited. And I like that he um, I like that he bit back a little bit at a reporter who says, well, now that you're own, you know, you're in charge. And he's like, well, I never really didn't feel like I was in charge. And I yeah. liked that because he was owning that a little bit. And, and, and there is definitely an excitement um, that, I think he got the guy he wanted, don't you? I don't think that this was a, well, we'll take one of the three situation. Right. I think that Dan Quinn would have been a great option. I, I like Dan Quinn and I think that he'll do well in Washington, but I just don't think that's necessarily who they wanted unless Mike Mike McDonald or Mike, I just call him Mike Mac Cause I don't, I need a nickname for him. I'll get yeah. that. But, um, so, um, and so in case he was gone, but at the same time, I just feel like he was like, I got exactly what I wanted in this head coach. And so that's good. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. I think you this make a great point. Gonna very
0: different. It's I- going to be a very different situation.
1: I think you're right. I think if Dan Quinn had been the hire because they missed out on McDonald or whatever, that that they would have made the best of it. I think he would have been a fine fit, but that yep. press that press conference would have been different. I think it would have been yeah. much more just business-like and sort of paint by numbers.
0: Well, that's um, how Dan is. I mean, he doesn't yeah. give things up, right? That's yeah. how kind of he is as a guy. And so that that would make sense to me. I, I think though that um, it was not their their first reaction. I think that, or their first preference, I think that they wanted youth, obviously now look at the rest of this coaching staff and they wanted this youth and they, they wanted this guy. What I think some fans are upset about, and I'd love to know your thoughts. I think they're a little pissed that it's another defensive coach because you know, that's what I wanted. You know, that I love defense. I love defensive coaches, but I think people really thought that they would lean more offensively And I don't think this has to do with Johnson deciding to stay with the Lions. I think that this is who they wanted.
1: Yeah. No, I I think you're right. I think once they started to get, I thought one of the most fascinating things that John talked about over the last couple of weeks was how much intel he got from guys he knows around the league who were involved in head coaching searches, who interviewed Mike McDonald and, and they were willing to share their thoughts on McDonald with Schneider, knowing that, you know, some of those other teams that have more of a rebuild ahead of them get a little more panicky. They don't want to wait. They don't want to be as patient as Schneider was willing to do. And and that once he started to hear the things that he was hearing about McDonald, I think he started to zero in on him. The defensive thing, I, I look at a couple of different ways. And I I've said from day one, I get the uh, the hesitation from people because they're worried about, well, if we get a good offensive coordinator and he lights it up for a couple of years, he's gone Fair. to which I would say, It's a good problem to have because it means you're killing it, right? If your guy's getting a head coaching job, it means that you're succeeding. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I think, you know, the NFL is very cyclical and it's, it's a, it's a, it, you know, it's called a copycat league, but I think nowadays it's, everyone's trying to get ahead of the curve and they're trying to be, they're trying to come up with the next scheme or Mm -hmm. the next tweak or the next thing to help make you competitive. And it's gotten so offensive That I think even this last year, scoring was down a little bit. We started to see it. The pendulum Mm -hmm. swings back the other way. Five of the eight head coaches hired had defensive backgrounds. And I think, you know, McDonald's scheme was so successful and so popular now that all, you know, a bunch of other teams went and hired his assistants to be their defensive coordinators. And so now we're going to see, you know, we might possibly see that kind of trend come back to the middle a little bit yeah (laughs) because you know
0: that's what i love right i love games that you know nobody scores 20 points those are my favorite kind of games and so i would love that but at the same time I think you're right. You know, that it, it is very cyclical and that's kind of more the way it's like, okay, now we're all about the offense. Okay. No, now we're all about the defense. No, now we're all about the offense again, the run game, the catch, you know, whatever it may be. And so I think that that's just, we're just in an interesting cycle right now. I, I think though, the one concern I have about with this staff um, and it's a tiny, it's a tiny concern, you know, it's not even like a real concern, but I'm a little worried. I I compared this coaching staff to Leslie Frazier is a 60 year old kindergarten teacher and he's got a bunch of five-year-olds brand new to school coming <laughs> into the class and he's going to have to like rein them in a little bit because this is a really young, pretty inexperienced for yeah. lack of a better term. Of course they have experience, but inexperienced coaching staff that they brought on exciting. Sure. Is it a roll of the dice? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about first time head coaches and first-time coordinators and things like that is and
0: assistants sometimes, and yeah,
1: sometimes they fail. A lot of times they fail, you know? And, and I think we had this conversation when, before Pete was fired for the people that were pounding the table, demanding it or crying out for it. It's be careful what you wish for, because you look back a couple of years And how many of those hot, up-and-coming young coaches that all the teams wanted to hire were fired in this last cycle? Brandon Staley and Arthur Smith and guys like that. And there's other guys on the hot seat. You know, Brian Dable's on the hot seat. The list goes on. It's not, it might not work. But then when I listen to Mike McDonald speak Mm -hmm. and I see his demeanor, and then you read all the other things people say about him. People who have played for him, coached with him, coached alongside of him, coached across the field from him. It's, it puts you at ease. And I feel the same way about Ryan Grubb. I just watched his interview he did on 710 yesterday. And like, you talk about brain, like this dude, just, I, I love listening to him talk. Mm-hmm. He, I can listen to him for five minutes and learn more about his philosophy on offense and what he plans to do than I ever learned from Shane Waldron. If he talked oh, for an hour, like it mm-hmm. just never got anything out of him. Mm-hmm. That's what makes me feel comfortable with where this staff is at is it seems like they've just put a collection together of dudes that are really, really, really smart.
0: Agreed. A hundred percent. And I think that the nice thing about this and what I, one of the things I'm admiring about what John Schneider did is there was no um, old boys club in this. Right. Right. It was, I'm going to go out and find the best. Very few connections. Don't even know each other. right? Right. And I love that. What's going to be really interesting about this too. And um, I brought this up in a conversation with a friend and they're like, you think that's a plus? I said, yeah, I think it's a plus is that so many of these guys are coming out of college, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have a lot of guys that are coming out of college, college straight out of college means they're used to teaching and coaching and sometimes when you get coaches who've been in the league for a long time they Im- implement a plan but the coaching aspect the teaching aspect of it is not as high on their table or they just assume everyone knows these guys are pros they've been in the league for six years whatever it may be it's like no but you want guys who can mold who can mm-hmm. teach who can re kind of invigorate that aspect of football and then the fact that they know all these young guys, right? They know all these college players much better than Shane Waldron would know these young college players. And so that was the beauty of Pete coming in all those years ago is he had, you know, gone through and scouted so many of those college players and that's how they got built that beautiful team. I expect that to be a huge plus for Seattle again this year. And I'm not saying the scouts don't do their job and I'm not saying any of that, but having that coaching aspect, you know, Grubb knowing exactly what he wants to implement, you know, what he wants to bring in. Um, I know that Mike McDonald is going to be the calling the defensive place, but even having AD come in, yeah. you know, and having them come in and saying, okay, these are the young guys that we want. I think that's going to be huge win or lose. Because again, like you said, we, you know, we have a chance that this could fail, but it just seems to be there seems to be some exciting aspects that they didn't just hire a first time head coach or, you know, head coach and then bring all these guys who've been in the league forever around him. They're like, no, we're going all brand new and then hoping Leslie Frazier can keep him on the ground. That's really.
1: Good. Yeah. And it's, there's, there's so many other connections to college too. And, and you make a yep. good point that when Pete was hired, there was that three to four window where he had really yeah. distinct knowledge of, of some of the guys out there. Um, and, and that window is open again. You know, Mike McDonald was just in the college game three years ago himself. Uh, the defensive line coach, they just, Hired today, coached in the senior bowl. And so he worked with, you know, so many of those guys that, you know, we know how much the Seahawks already tend to like guys that Jim Nagy selects for the senior bowl anyway, but he worked with him for an entire week and coached him and he's going to have that knowledge. And plus you just talk about scheme and how much, you know, the Ryan Grubb hired where some people thought, well, he's never coached in the NFL, but the NFL has been stealing college offensive concepts for the last 10 years and, and incorporating them anyway. Yep. And then Grubb himself has has taken NFL concepts and kind of backfilled into his scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I don't think it's going to be as tough a transition as some people think. Plus, again, no, you just that listen to that. the guy talk, and yeah. he's been studying the pro game as closely as he's studied the college game. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. And yeah. so he's going to know guys that can fit in that and who can't. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, he's going to be a really good college player and we're going to leave him there or whatever it may be. So, so it's exciting. I, I don't know what to expect. Um, I, I'm not a fan of what I call beige coaching, which is, you know, coaches don't have a lot of personality. You know, I like yeah. the hyper Pete's and I like the really grumpy Mike Tomlins, And, you know, I like guys with personalities. Sure. I don't, I haven't gotten a feel of any of their personalities yet. I can see that. I don't think we're going to have a huge personality of Mike Mac, but um, right. we'll see how that goes, you know, but I think it'll be, it's going to be different and right. Isn't that what most people want? They just wanted to try something different. And
1: like, at the, if you, if at the know. end of the day, what they want to see is different results on the field. That, that, you know, you can be, you could be the driest coach in your press conference, yep. you know, at, uh, in the league, as long as if, if, if the Seahawks defenses start going out and playing anything, like those Baltimore defenses did under Mike McDonald, then, you know, he can be as dry as he wants
0: to be. Oh, absolutely. That's what I'm just saying. I just hope that there's, we don't lose the personality of the team at the same time, but I don't think we will. And the reason I don't think we will is because of the type of players that Seattle tends to attract, especially in free agency. Now, all that might change. I mean, it's been a long time, Dan, since we've, you know, had someone else at the helm. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what they do with it. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited.
1: Yeah. And you touched on it earlier and, and I actually had a chance to to have a couple of conversations last week about this with, with people in the know. And and I, one of the first things I said when the change was made is or, or thought and then talked about on the show is we're going to see the differences now over time. Between John's philosophy and Pete's philosophy, because we know that they were, you know, in lockstep and they, they were mostly on the same page, but Pete ultimately had final say contractually over roster decisions and personnel. And so we don't know if or when John was ever overruled on a draft pick. But when I, when I brought this up last week, I was, and, and then you mentioned the, the interview that he had where he kind of bristled at that fact yeah. too. I watched that replay uh, later in a day when I had had a conversation earlier that day and was basically told the same thing. Like, no, he, he did call the shots on draft day.
0: I think There might've
1: been one or two instances here. Now, what I do think that we may see over the next couple of years is when you think about some of the big swings that they took outside the draft, some of the big trades, the Jimmy Graham trade, the Jamal Adams trade, right? Were those driven by Pete where those maybe? Hey, I need that guy. I yeah. need you to go get that guy for me because I do tend to think John tends to be more conservative. He's a guy that
0: Interesting. all things
1: given equal would prefer to trade back. If he thinks he can get the same player, 10 spots later and, and mm-hmm. add more picks. I think that's his philosophy. I could be wrong, but I think that's mm-hmm. where we might see, it might take a year or two. Yeah. And then we'll look back and go, you know, they haven't done that. a while yeah right
0: it's interesting that you say that because i've heard both sides of that i've heard people say oh no all those bad contracts that's all on john john did all of those bad contracts and then other people say no pete made him do those contracts because he thought he only needed one player to make it so you're right we don't know right because they wouldn't they didn't discuss those things with us obviously so i think that that'll be interesting to see in a couple of years what happens but you know it's also going to be you know this is John's team now. I'm, I'm not trying to take any way anything away from our new head coach, but this is all going to be on John. And Pete said that in his press conference. He's yeah. like, it's all on your shoulders now, dude. You're going to do all of it. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. Can we just say, though, it, it was kind of a coup to get Jay Harbaugh. Yeah, I have no idea how happy it made me that he's like, "Yeah, Dad, it was nice working with you." I'm going to go to Seattle, right? Of all places, we
1: beat out his dad for his services, right? That's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. And he
0: probably wanted to be out on his own. You know, he worked with his dad for or and his and his uncle for years. He's ready to be out on his own two feet, but it just made me real happy. I think it makes of a lot of sense. I, it's a smart move for
1: him, and I and I will yeah. know this. I have, uh, I have first person knowledge of the fact that he, he does like good bourbon.
0: Well, there you go. I can
1: go. say that about that Jay a good He's also I a lot taller know. than I thought he was going to be. Um, but, you know, I think we're on oh, this total side note, but I think yeah. it'll be interesting over the next couple of years too. You talk about nepotism and breaking away from that mm-hmm. is, is we're going to see over the next couple of years, like Pete's sons now have an opportunity to kind of make a name for themselves you know, in yep. the, in the coaching world with one going to Carolina, one going to the university of Washington. And, you know, maybe those guys can kind of climb the right. ladder a little bit now. Cause they aren't just seen as, you know, fam- family ties. Yeah. Right. Uh, we cannot talk about this team and where it stands and where it's headed without talking about the quarterback situation. Yes. And you know, from everything that you do, how polarizing it is, even bringing it up. Um, but where do you stand mm. on where the quarterback situation is today and where you think it is or should be heading potentially as early as this year, uh, in regards to the draft.
0: Um, I don't know why this is so polarizing for people. I don't know why people lose their mind over the fact that we have a completely competent, good quarterback for one of the cheapest contracts in the NFL, yeah, are you freaking kidding me? There's nothing to complain about. There, people get over yourselves because having Gino there is the perfect safety net. Now, so they let his contract go; he's guaranteed this money, which basically says he's going to be in Seattle unless they trade him. Yeah, but then you need to look at that. It's like okay, so trading someone would trade for Gino. Yeah, dollar signs. It's perfect for a team, you know, who needs that, you know, breaking quarterback. But most of those teams don't have the draft picks that I think Seattle would require in order to trade for him. Because I think that they see him much like I do. He is a good competent quarterback who actually plays at, I'm not going to say elite, but high levels multiple times throughout the year. And yeah, he had a little bit of a down the year this year, but he was injured. And so I I don't think, I think that Gino is the perfect guy for this transition year. I I see him much as Hasselbeck, you know, that couple you know, back, with Pete. And so I think that that's exactly where they're at. Besides, why not? So team-friendly money-wise in a team that needs to be friendly money-wise, right? So I'm thrilled that Gino is back. I will – they keep bringing up Drew Locke unprompted, which is bizarre to me. Yeah. They keep saying – well, and then Drew Locke, and then Drew Locke, even – in uh, Mike McDonald's press conference, he was like, well, and then Drew Locke. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're kidding me, right? Like this, nothing against Drew Locke. And I know there's all the Drew Locke truthers out there. But if you're using Gino as a bridge, get a quarterback that can maybe learn underneath of him. And and that's fine. Although Drew did fine as the backup in a couple of games. So I don't know if they maybe have their eye on someone next year in the draft or if there is some shenanigans going on that we don't know about because that happens all the time that maybe there's something else going on there that they are going to trade Gino, but I am thrilled. I think that they should keep Gino as their starter for at least one more year. I do. I think that contract is just too good to pass up in his especially at his skill level. Um, and then I don't want them reaching in the draft. I don't want them jumping clear up to get a, you know one of the higher level quarterbacks. And if you're not going to do that, then either pick a guy who can sit and learn behind him or just let it sit for a year and go one more year
1: with him. Yeah, I, I kind of had a feeling that's where you would stand, you know, and I, yeah. I think I know how you think about those things. And it's it's funny that you mentioned Hasselbeck and you did it in the context of he was the holdover when Pete took the job. And I, I think it's similar in the sense that I don't think John sees this as a rebuild at all. Mm-hmm. And if you were going to go brand new head coach and go all out for a quarterback in the draft, which you're going to get the fifth best one in this class mm-hmm. because you don't have the ammo to move up and get one of the top four. I don't know that that's a great philosophical and kind of organizational plan. Right. right. But then you're also kind of throwing everything out. You might as well completely rebuild yeah, and, and trade Metcalf and trade Charles Cross. It like, and I don't. they don't see themselves there. One of the first things John said at that press conference you mentioned was they underperformed last year. He thought they should have been a 10 or 11 win team. I've said mm-hmm. that I think if Mike McDonald had been coaching the Seahawks defense last year with the same bodies mm-hmm. in those uniforms, they would have been top 15 at mm-hmm. worst and that that team would have been more competitive. So I don't think they want to take that biggest step back. I just did something today. I'm going to tease a little show that I'm going to do tomorrow. And I charted it because I had an idea in my head. And sometimes when you take that idea and you put it on paper, it, it doesn't match. Then you realize, well, I guess I was wrong. But when you look at all the teams this year that are quarterback needy and all the quarterbacks that are projected to go in the first two rounds of this draft and a historically large number of veteran quarterback options this offseason that you could either trade for or sign as free agents. Mm-hmm. And then you look ahead to next year, and I came up with four teams, including Seattle, four teams next year that might be hunting quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And even of those four, one is the Rams. Matt Stafford might still be totally good to go. One is Mm -hmm. the Jets. Aaron Rodgers may be healthy in 2025. And so Mm -hmm. even though it's not expected to be as good a class, it always ends up being good. Guys pop, guys develop, and the Mm -hmm. Seahawks may look ahead a year and go, now is not the time next right. year we'll be in a better position it'll be more of a buyer's market
0: right i agree i just don't think it's logical right now and you know seattle has done a lot of things that i didn't think were logical and so you know it doesn't mean that 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 that's what's going to happen but i completely agree with you this is not let you know i mean one more year we need one more year out of gino yeah. and and then i think kind of go from there it so, might
1: be it might be different if they had a second round pick you know, that, that right. would, might increase their Which options. I think
0: they'll end up with one. God knows John will shake shimmy and do whatever he needs yeah. to do to get that back. And I think that that'll be good, but that's definitely, the quarterback position is not the problem. And so let's just leave it, especially at the dollar sign it's at, let's just leave yeah. it where it is.
1: And, and that's what I've told people that are just adamant that whose minds cannot be changed about Gino is look, give it one more year. That defense improve that defense to where they're competent and they can get off the field on a regular basis, improve that offensive line, especially the interior. And then if Gino still goes out and he's the 17th or 18th best quarterback in the, in the league, given those, you know, upgrades. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. You win. Let's go get a quarterback. But yeah, uh, okay. also you can do both. Yeah. You can absolutely do both. And, but people like to be all or nothing, black or white. Yeah. It's
0: all, it's 100% one way or the other. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So you are in Kansas city. I don't think everyone knows that. And so you, uh, even though your, your heart lies with the Seahawks for the most part, you watch what's happening with the chiefs every single day. And that dynasty that, you know, we can use that word now. We don't need to, we don't, we don't need to qualify it anymore. When you watch the chiefs, and you project where you think the Seahawks can be with better coaching. How far away are they from that team? What's the gap?
0: Um, gosh, it's a great question. Is, Obviously, the quarterback is the biggest gap, right? I mean, Patrick but He's a unicorn. In the the league. Yeah. He right? and so he, it's he's it's hard to quantify. Yeah. You look at the rest of that team, that defense came on at the end of toward the end of the season. And that was one thing they had been lacking over the last couple of years. But at the same time, they're an aging team too. Travis Kelsey. I give him one to two more years in this league. If, if even that, um, it depends on if he gets, I think if he gets hurt next year, he'd really probably be done. Um, but with their receiver issues, Seattle is much at a much better spot than, than Kansas city is with their receivers on the defensive side of the ball. Kansas city is kind of surging at this point. And so it's, it's hard to, to, to quantify the two of them. That sounds terrible. I'm not trying to get out of the question. I think that the way you stop the chiefs is to have the best defense in football, which the Ravens, I don't know what the hell happened in that game. Don't even get me started. But, um, and so I can't decide if they need to, the defense has to get better. The offense probably, especially the quarterback position needs to get better but Kansas City doesn't have a own game. You know what I mean? So it's just really hard. But I would say Seattle's probably two years away. I think two before they could get to that level. And it would have to be, the perfect draft pick you could not yeah. miss on a first round pick you cannot miss cuz Kansas City's now going to fight an uphill battle on some of this stuff too like they're going to have to resign you know Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes will keep redoing his contract keep it team friendly right. forever that's just what he's going to do and and th- and that's fine but they now have some holes um that they have to fill but i think Seattle's probably Learn more at marines.com.
1: It's it's a fascinating maybe, case maybe because a further
0: with a quarterback, definitely further with a quarterback.
1: Kansas quarterback. City has, in Mahomes' time, they have won Super Bowls in in very different ways. You know, in, in yeah. early in his career, they were terrible defensively, and he carried them, and they just mm-hmm. they lit it up on offense. And then they they had to do some things because of his growing cap hit to to change resource allocation and, and spread things out around the rest of, of the roster and make tough decisions, like trade a franchise wide receiver and Tyreek Hill, maybe the best receiver in the game. And, and so you're right. I I think you nail it. At some point you have to get the guy at quarterback next, but it also does point out for those who think,
0: I think you have to get the guy at quarterback to, to create a dynasty. I don't think you have to have the guy at quarterback to win a Super Bowl. I think there is a difference, but that's just me. So. Oh
1: yeah, no, I agree. I I I have yeah. I think, you know, look, Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer, like Geno Smith can win a Super Bowl. Anyone who thinks he can't just doesn't know ball. This is kind of the right. the new trendy term. Yeah. Uh if you have a dominating defense and a good run game, Geno's good enough. Like yeah. but but that's that's the harder way to get there. It, I think what the Chiefs have pointed out is uh, you can win with a high-priced quarterback, but whether or not you have one, you have to nail your draft picks. Mm -hmm. You have to make really smart free agent decisions, and they have to pay off. Guys like Drew Tranquil comes in on a one-year deal and just plays lights out. We saw it with the Ravens last year, guys like Clowney and Van Noy just coming in off the street, sort of the downside of their career. Like you have to hit on those things um, consistently. And you can't miss on day one and day two draft picks. You just can't. And I, I do think you're right. I think we all thought after the last two drafts that maybe the Seahawks, the foundational pieces on their roster would be good enough that, that we could take that next step. But yet here we are. Interior offensive line still needs a lot of work. You know, there's still some missing pieces on defense. They have no linebackers under contract outside of oh God, you know, Drake Thomas mess. and, you know, guys like that. So-
0: Here's the interesting thing. I think that one one thing is that the word blue chip gets thrown around a lot. We mm-hmm. talk about you need a blue chip player, you need a blue chip player. Well, they have two on offense in Kansas City. They have Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. They have one to two-ish on defense. You have to have those heavy hitters. And I think that Seattle does not have that. That that so those one to two blue chip guys, I think, are so important the Ravens have it in the couple of, and so that when you get those teams that start to trend up and over, it's because they've managed to find those one to two blue chip yeah. players. And, um, and, and Seattle doesn't have, I truly, I know people are down on DK right now. I truly still believe DK's they best games be. are ahead of him. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. I just keep expecting like, dude, have you seen what you can do, do it. And, and so that's, that's really interesting to me that, that whole conversation. But I think that, when you hit the draft, you have to get a Puka Nakua. You're right. You have to you have to get that blue chip player at that rookie contract and have them contribute right away, yeah. and that's what then just builds from then on up.
1: Yeah, so, I think uh, I was listening to Move the Sticks podcast yesterday with Bucky and and DJ, and and I think Bucky said uh, championship teams you want. I think he said four to six blue chip guys, the the great teams in the league have but four, a lot. four a six. It does lot. seem like a lot. And, and I would argue if you look at the Seahawks roster and you just gave me an episode idea that I'll, that I'll have to work on is, is I think there are guys that can still develop into that. I think we have guys that are blue, have blue chip ceilings that just aren't there yet. And, uh, and better. Co- I think Reek Wollen is a great example. Had the great rookie yep. year. We all thought he was going to be a perennial all pro took a huge step back this last year. Let's see what mm. Mike McDonald and Carl Scott and okay. that staff.
0: That's the teaching,
1: can, right? Can That's what I'm him. so excited yeah.
0: about with this new coaches. You yeah. remember how to teach. I think that that it's going to be really fun to watch.
1: Teach and how to use personnel. I mean, yeah. both that you can see why Mike McDonald and Ryan Grubb get along so well, because they both talk about that, the personnel based scheme, and that I'm going to tailor what we do on offense. Ryan Grubb said it again yesterday. Keep saying it. Not sure what we're good at yet. Once I find that out, then we're going to lean into that. And then he also talks over and over again about, you know, picking on defense's weaknesses too. Can't wait to see what he does with DK. I thought DK from that Dallas game on last year, yeah. turned a corner Yeah, it, as good as his numbers already were throughout his career up until that point. I thought he made big catch after big catch after big catch and big moments down the stretch and, um, and, and really established himself. If there was any doubt, any, there weren't any flags the second half of the season, you know, all that stuff that people like to point to. <laughs>
0: love that about him personality you know i don't like the beige players i like yeah, them when they have a right. personality so you like that's guys very that, fun for me what did uh but, you
1: jim know, moore call him dirt bags you gotta oh have God. some dirt bags
0: love i love the dirt bags.
1: <laughs> but i can't wait to see what ryan grubb does with him and i think that, that's and gonna and be fun else.
0: and it'll be different right and yeah. so that'll be that'll be really interesting um i think that you know we're seeing we're getting toward the end of Tyler Lockett's career. And we Mm -hmm. know that I want to see more from JSN and I think that they can get that from him hopefully. So that's super exciting. And then of course the defensive side will be good too, but I will tell you, Dan, and tell me how you feel about this. In my opinion, when you talk about all of these players and we lean into free agency, that just is coming up here in like 10 days or something, you know, no, I guess it's like 16th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is legal tampering. um, yeah, legal tampering. Yeah, it's the conversation's already happening at the right. combine, just so you know. But um, re-signing Williams is a number one priority to me. And I know that not everyone agrees with that, but I, he was a game changer mm-hmm. last year. Nope. And I want to see what Mike McDonald can do with him.
1: Yep. Same. And I think Jordan Brooks falls in that same category. I think. Really? See, I'm a little
0: wavery on Jordan Brooks, but yeah. So why Jordan Brooks too?
1: Uh, Yeah. I think a a lot of people have made the natural connection of maybe they, they should pursue Patrick Queen instead um, because he played for McDonald with the Ravens. Uh, What I would say to that is I think Brooks, you know, when healthy and that's certainly a question mark, but it's also going to keep his value down a little bit. I think Patrick Queen will get more on the open market potentially than Jordan Brooks. Um, oh, but I think Brooks mm-hmm. is a, a bigger, a little bit more physical player. Um, and I also think he is underrated when it comes to coverage. Everybody, you know, a lot of fans think that Queen's the cover guy and Brooks isn't because that was a knock on him coming out of college. All you have to do is go to Twitter and look at Griffin Sturgeon's Twitter timeline and, uh, show, look at all the clips he's shown of Brooks covering guys 30 yards down the field. Um, even in that last game at Arizona with a bad ankle covering Trey McBride step for step 35 yards down the field. Um, he's uh, I think, I think Brooks is a guy that McDonald's going to love. And I think he's going to come at a lower cost than queen or anybody oh, else definitely. in the open market. And I yeah. think, uh, I think he's going to want to keep him. I do. Yeah. Uh, and they'll find a way to do that. And, and it can be done for those who don't, for those who are screaming at the screen right now, but what about salary cap?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know you can work around salary cap. Yeah,
1: I, I was just having that conversation with someone today they're like what about Gino and this uh, you can get to 40 million dollars in cap space like that without touching Gino's deal and without yep. cutting Tyler and without you know making any of those moves that are going to make people you cr- make a lot of room
0: just by even if you wanted to keep Jamal I mean like there's there's ways around sure. all of this
1: yeah um, but they won't it- keep Jamal
0: well, yeah, but you know what? I've heard the exact opposite from other people that they will keep Jamal, oh, and so it's like that's just it. Yeah. But isn't that the point? We don't know what the hell they want to right. do. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know what they're how if they're willing to eat that amount of money from him. They don't. We don't know that, right? And so that'll be really interesting. Um,
1: and we may not know about Jamal literally until June until because June. even though yeah. you can even though you can designate guys as mm-hmm. a post June cap uh, uh, cap release, you can designate two guys yeah. ahead of time. That money's not available till June first, no. and so it does no good unless you're just trying to do a favor for the player, get him out in the open market. Right. Um, you know, which may be the case right. too. So we may not yeah. know about Jamal until after free yeah. agency in the draft. See how that goes
0: because we don't know what Mike McDonald wants, yeah. right? We don't know what he's looking at and what he's seeing and what he thinks. Um, we'll be there. And, and to be honest with you, you know, I don't know if you guys, I follow Jamal on Instagram and he's posting every clip he has had from Seattle yep. and from, it almost feels a little retirement-y, but I don't think that's what's going on. I think he might be trying to pump himself up. I don't know. He's, he's but probably it's, just it's,
1: contemplating, yeah, pondering, looking tough. back. and It hasn't gone spot. well for him the last couple yeah. of years,
0: you know? Well, and that injury was, it was much harder than, than all. I mean, we knew it could be career ending, but yeah. We'll see. But there's going to be a lot of change here pretty soon. It was interesting to me, though, is that I think it was PFF. They had their top 200 free agents. There were only eight Seahawks on there. And Williams was the highest. I think he was like 15 or 16. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, like I think it was 16. I think Brooks yeah. just made it in at 50 Brooks. on their top when yeah. they did a top 50 and then they expanded it. Yeah, he was. They at the, actually had he Bant
0: the on there still. Bobby Wagner was in there. And then, of course, there were locks back there at like 156 or whatever because yeah. he's a confident quarterback. But I thought it was interesting. And so we could see a lot of change if yeah. they don't think these guys are going to lean the way they want them to lean. But that's the weird part, right? Like if we knew who our coaching staff would be, we could probably kind of guess who they're going to cut and who they're going to keep.
1: Yep all I'm that intrigue going. is the reason that, uh, you know, people are so into what you and I do and, and, you know, views are up and, and, uh, downloads are up and subscriptions are up and, uh, and all that because mm-hmm. uh, people want to know. And we just don't yet. Do. <laughs> we don't, no. but that's what makes it fun. Keeps
0: you on the edge of your seat, right? Yeah. That's the whole point.
1: Well, Keeps and it's, the- it's always fun to have you on. Uh, we could talk easily for another half an hour. Uh, always oh, good yeah. to catch up with you. Um, I, you and I both agree just for any of those of you watching. And, uh, I did point out before we hit record today, it's been almost a year to the day since they pulled the plug on the field goals podcast. And so, you know, which created Seahawks forever. And then you got to focus on your other stuff. Uh, And then we did the PSF thing, which, you know, was cool in its first year. But, um, for those who are hoping that we'll be back, can we just announce it now? like, that's yeah,
0: we're not going to yeah. go back next year, but <laughs> it's way, hard. let me tell you, I have a lot of respect for the commentators on TV now because live, you know, broadcasting a four hour game, I was exhausted. Like I needed a yeah. nap after those. So it was just, it was a little muchy for Dana, but it yeah. was a, it was uh it was, it was a fun experiment and, you know, it let us hang out, which was always good because sure. we had spent the year before together. So that was really fun. But, but yep. On to new things now.
1: Yeah. I don't know how Scott Hansen does it. Like the red zone thing, it's it's amazing to me. Yeah, just I get tired. I don't know. I come home from work sometimes, and I have to talk at work for five six hours at a time. I don't want to. That's why on my days off, sometimes I just want to go into my cave and just hide out. Do not talk to me. But I can't these days because there's so much to talk about on this show. So always, always great to have you on. Let everybody know what you're going to be focusing on this offseason, what you're up to, and all the places they can watch and read you.
0: Well, we're, you know, super excited over at our turf football. That's kind of my main focus. And um, we once again, got um, press credentials for the combine. um, And we'll probably end up back up the draft. I don't know that I'll be going to the draft this year. Um, We might in Detroit this year It's in Detroit. Yep. And, um, and Sonia is really wanting to go to this draft. And, and so we'll have all that kind of coverage. Um, And then we start our divisional preview shows in June and we do one division a week. It's like, very in depth. And those are really fun too. And then of course I'm occasionally on over at a real Hawk talk with those Hawk blogger boys. Yeah. And, uh, they, oh my gosh, that one's always a ride. So that one's super <laughs> fun. They too are in anticipation of everything that's coming yeah. out there. And then, so you can always find me on Twitter. It's at Dana OG. I'm you guys know me. I'm right.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll, uh, we'll catch up again after the draft and free agency, when this roster starts to take shape and, um, uh, and do this again see That'll where a we're fun
0: at conversation. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thanks, Dana. See you soon. Two shows in two days with, um, Butch making an appearance, I guess, uh, maybe he sees a future for himself on camera. I have thought about starting him, his own Twitter feed, maybe even his own TikTok account. And yes, as someone pointed out to me who saw him on the show yesterday, He is a big, big boy. He's about to turn two years old, and yet he is 20 pounds. Someone referred to him yesterday on Twitter as a, (laughs) uh, asked if he was actually a Black Panther uh, rather than a cat. But nope, Uh, he is indeed a cat. Uh, Thanks for watching today. Tomorrow on the show, as I mentioned, I'm going to take a look at the, uh, the lay of the land in the NFL when it comes to quarterback neediness which teams are hunting quarterbacks this year and how it might project to next year and how it might lend itself to the Seahawks being willing to be patient because they might have a little bit more of their pick of the litter next year when it comes to the draft if they so choose. So tune in for that um, and as always, if you subscribe then you never miss out on a new episode. I am Dan Vis you can follow me on Twitter at Seahawks forever. I'll end the show. The way I always do. Forever and always, go Hawks. Thanks for watching, everybody.